Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast live on our Facebook, YouTube and Twitter channels and later on the Everything is Black and White podcast channel on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. If you're listening on or watching while they're live on YouTube, please remember to hit that subscribe button. If you're watching live on Facebook, uh, drop your comments, uh, questions into the comments and we'll get through the best of them if you listen on the podcast hit subscribe as well totally free to do as you can see i'm joined by sam mulner from newcastle fans tv and usually when sam appears on the pod it either means we've got a survey or i'm on holiday but for those watching live as you can see i'm definitely not on holiday and we do have another survey and this time it's marking the first year of newcastle's new ownership there are one two three four five six seven questions and sam it's very kindly said he will go through them all. We want you guys to, who are watching live to get involved as well. Pop them in the comments and share your answers and fill the survey in as well. I'll pop the link to the survey into the comments, so do click on that. It's going to close on Thursday afternoon so we can round up all the results ahead of Friday's anniversary. So we really want your views on the last year, the first year of this new ownership. Now, Sam, before we get into the questions, just in a sentence or so, just sum up the last year for you. Amazing. I can't even believe it's been a year already. I mean, it's absolutely teeming down with rain where I am today in uh, the lovely uh, Shropshire Staffordshire uh, on the border there. And and just memories are evoked of standing outside Molyneux thinking we're relegated and we're done for. And now look at the revival. And it's just been the most amazing year. It has indeed plenty of change, plenty of optimism for the future as well. I know you often do tell the story about being outside of Molyneux after that defeat to Wolves and kind of thinking, what's next? Very few people would have seen that that, that week that came, that followed and the deal finally getting pushed through, but thank goodness it did. The first question I'm going to ask you, Sam, is to rate the first year of the new ownership out of 100. Uh, out of a hundred, it leaves it, it's a broad, broad spectrum as well, isn't it? Uh, we I'm had not, this the uh, last time, didn't we? Out of a hundred, and we, we discussed whether it was a bit of a big number, but we're sticking with it. So, yeah, good. out of a hundred, good. Uh, the last thing you want to do is do a U turn, but um, <laughs> I, I, I think, I think it has to be look, it's inevitably going to be a high score, isn't it? So, we're looking at high 80s, low 90s, isn't there? I am. Um, to really nitpick negativity, um, could we have got a winger in in the summer? Maybe, but then is that really the fault of the ownership, or is, it, is they're constrained by financial fair play, which of course everyone knows about now? Um, I don't know. I, I, I'd be looking ninety one, ninety two, something like that. Is it such a high? Mark partly because of what had gone before. So really, if they'd done half of what they've done in the last 12 months, it would still be probably mid-70s, you know, early 80s. Maybe. I mean, the, the benchmark was set incredibly low by the previous owner, wasn't it? So, But they seem to have done everything the right way. Look at the people they've brought in, Dan Ashworth, Darren Eels. Um, infrastructure is being um, invested in. The academy budget's been boosted. Um, we've seen quite a few um, bright stars for the future being signed and also short and medium-term signings as well. Um, 
they've got the manager decision right, which we'll come on to um, later on in the in the survey. Um, so the decisions they've made have been the right ones, despite some may have taken a bit longer than maybe they should have done. But everything's new, and you're working when they came in anyway you were working with a skeleton staff of of a, of a shell of a premier league club which needed essentially knocking down and starting again didn't it apart from the lovely stadium which the windows were cleaned so but that there's uh, there's 10 points straight away and going back to when the deal was completed on october the 7th if someone had come to you and said right out of 100 in a year's time where do you think you would have you 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 would you'll mark the owners and what they've done in that year? Well, at that time, if you remember, like relegation was almost being accepted in October, which is mad. We, the, the all hope was gone. We were on our knees. Um, we, like it wasn't even worth being angry about anymore. It was just acceptance. So. I would have been fully prepared to at least going into the last day needing a win at Burnley to to stay in the Premier League, let alone staying up at a, a canter and having an amazing night against Arsenal, an amazing scenes uh, against Leicester at home with a last minute um, Bruno winner, let alone players signing like Bruno, Kieran Trippier. No one would have thought that was possible. Um, so I suppose the expectations were very, very low. And to start how we have started, I know there was a bit of a, a, a mini brouhaha going into this weekend because we've drawn a few too many games. But we've still only lost, and that was because we played about 40 minutes added on at, at Liverpool. So, other than that, we, I mean, we were, what, two seconds away from being unbeaten all season so far. It, it's been an incredible turnaround. Yeah, I guess the fact that you've given them such high marks, are you shocked in a way? That you're giving them that high marks in terms of like the expectation that you you, you had on the owners. Have they gone above? Have they gone below? Or is it just about where you you assumed they would be after a year? I suppose when I mean they've they've, they've set out and and done pretty much everything they said they were going to do, so it shouldn't be uh, a surprise. But it sort of kind of is after the the previous fourteen years, because you get you used to have rare communication. And that communication was 99% of the time just lip service, hence new training ground facilities and all that carry on from the Pardiola era. Um, so the fact that they've they've took things relatively slowly in appointing the right manager, getting the right um, backroom staff, they could have easily give up on, on Dan Ashworth. Um with his however many months gardening leave, he must have a stunning garden ready for next summer. Um, they've done; they're doing things the right way. They they didn't panic buy. They weren't held to ransom in, especially in the January window when we were desperate for incomings. Um, they've bought sensibly. Even the signing of Chris Wood, which I will stick by forever and a day, because it was the right signing for that time. Would it be a signing for the previous summer? Absolutely not. But in that moment, it was the right signing. Um, so they've, they've been very shrewd and clever in the transfer market. They've got a good mix of short, medium and long-term signings. Um, and they've stuck to what they, they, they said they were going to do, which has been brilliant. The way they've um, 
opened themselves up and been involved with the community, the investment in the women's team, which is something close to my heart. I'm a big, big supporter of the women's side. Um, Academy Infrastructure Foundation, Food Bank, which uh, the Rubens obviously match the donations to every every home game. You know, it, it, it's, it's been a breath of fresh air and um, it, it's just been a fantastic 12 months. Just remind us of the number you went for. Was it 91? We'll go 92. 92. You've gone up. See, it up. In, in, in the space of 10 minutes of talking about it, you've got up one. That's that's the impact they're having on you. I know. We, we, well, I did originally say like high 80s, but we've gone 92. Um, on to the, the second question then. The best decision the owners have made, and it is multiple choice, so I will read out the options. So the best decision the owners have made, is it appointing Eddie Howe? Is it boardroom appointments? Is it renaming Shearer's Bar back to Shearer's Bar? The transfer signings, the training ground redevelopments, or removing the sports direct signs? There's no wrong answer in, in any of them. There's no wrong answer for this at all. Um, my favourite day probably was seeing the the um, signs come down St James's Park. Remember, what, like the first time I went to St James's, like it looks pristine and and immaculate and um, kind of posh in its design in its own way. There was a real sense of pride, and then when them tacky blue and red signs went up, it just looked just tatty and cheap. And to see them signs finally come down, it was it was a really really good day. They should have live streamed that. I mean, you had thirty three thousand tuning into a cat case. I, I would have happily have tuned in just to see some workmen take down them awful signs. Um, so that was a good one. The signings have been immense, um, which I'll cover more um, in the next question. I think it is. First and foremost, when they took over, we were in a huge, huge predicament of a relegation scrap. And we all knew Steve Bruce needed to be sacked, a la West Brom now. Um, we all knew the situation. We all knew he wasn't getting replaced if Ashley stayed because of the payoff in his contract. So first and foremost, their ultimate challenge was to stay in the Premier League. Otherwise, the project would have been set back a year or two, wouldn't it? So in appointing Eddie Howe, for me, and I have to hold my hands up here. I wasn't Eddie Howe wasn't my choice. I wanted Emery before he was mentioned. And I know he got down to the final two and there was some leaks here and there which didn't look overly brilliant on the new owners, but you give them the benefit of the doubt for their first big decision. They 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 took their time with it because it was a mightily big decision to get the right man in. They've done that with Eddie Howe, so for me that that edges it because he's been exceptional. Um, the way he's taken to the area, the fan base, and the way everyone's got behind him, it's its its been a match made in heaven. I think you're spot on when you say there's no wrong answer out of these options, you know, because each one that I read out there means something to, to most fans. And you're right, a point anyhow, absolutely crucial miracle worker because turn of the year, it looked like Newcastle were, were heading down. He somehow turned it around and, and as you said got them to finish it a cancer uh, from you know from danger she was bought simple but needed to be done you know it, 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 it's what that represented as well because it wasn't just a name change it was the disdain that club legends were held 
uh, in by the previous regime. So that 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 is a big one. Um, that is a big one to have to have Alan's name back on that bar and his statue being moved. I would tie in with that as well. Yeah, um, was 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 important. Again, gestures that they didn't need to do, but they just felt were right, and they they knew very, you know, it was very clever. They knew the reaction it would get from fans, um, so that so they've done that. They wanted to do that. Moving the sports direct signs was another kind of it was kind of the, the final chapter. Many ways coming down, wasn't it, on Ashley's ownership? I remember being up there and having a little peek at the skips and getting a photograph of the signs just in 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 the, in the skips, and everyone there was was loving the photographs that went round. But for me, I think boardroom appointments are so important because, as you've already alluded to, Sam, you had a man in Lee Charney. He was basically much doing it all. A lot of it he wasn't experienced in. And actually, it turned out that actually he couldn't actually sign the big things off. He had to go to someone above him who then had to go to him to Mike Ashley. And it could take weeks to, to get these decisions put through. Whereas here, you've got people who are experienced, who know what they're doing. They've all got their own focus. You know, Dan Eels can go the club commercially. Dan Ashworth has the contacts books. He has the vision to set up the academy onto a path of success. He's previously worked with Eddie Howe. And I just think having all the people in the right place is going to be so beneficial because I think if you tie that in, training ground redevelopments, that doesn't happen unless you have the right person, you know, in the club making those plans and that, that will come from, you know, Dan Ashworth's input, Darren Eels, how can we maybe get a bit of commercial in, in, into it? All these elements working together to better the club. And I think it all goes down to, to the boardroom appointments and making sure the right people are in the right positions. Yeah, hundred percent. I can't argue again. There's no, I don't think there is a wrong answer in any of this. Um, yeah. Dan Ashworth, no one has anything bad to say about him the guy's pretty much a football genius isn't he and that's already started with uh koal signing from australia and he's already got his contacts from around the world and and yeah the 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 groundwork is in place for a very bright future and again it just ties in with the ownership doing things the right way waiting for the right people they're not going to be bullied in in their pursuits of people um so it is important, but the reason why I just edged for for Eddie Howe was the fact that he, at the end of the day, results on the pitch affect everything in a football club, and he's kept us in the Premier League. And the training ground redevelopment, look, we're, we're essentially waiting for them to find a new site and to build a whole new training comp- complex, aren't we? Um, they've just renovated what's um, quite a poor facility in modern-day Premier League times. You, you're right in terms of Eddie Howe because I guess if Newcastle hadn't stayed up, then Dan Ashworth wouldn't have come. Daniels probably wouldn't have come. So you're right. You can probably pinpoint it back to, to Eddie Howe and getting the right manager in charge, someone who can can turn it around. Uh, a comment here from uh, Billy Gaddis. He says, it's not going to happen with the click of a finger. I know that clubs and their fans will not accept Newcastle until they both win something uh, and start making the move that new ground or revamp stadium uh, being beamed all over the world. So he's looking a bit more long-term there. That leads us nicely, actually, into the second question, Sam. And what should be the next priority for the owners? Should it be improving and redeveloping St. James's Park, moving to a new stadium, a new training ground, transfers, improving commercial business, or developing the academy? 
I, th- I think the transfer side of thing that's just kind of a given anyway. That's that's an ongoing thing. That's nothing new. It's not like they're not going to go again in January. We're already being linked to James Madison again. Um, for me, it would be the training ground. Um, I'm not having a new stadium at all. I hate new stadiums. I mean, this is a sweeping generalisation, and I know they're not all like that, but just new stadiums just don't have any character, any soul about them. Um, St James's Park is our home, and it always should be, in my opinion. So redeveloping that and the ongoing debacle about how you're going to extend the uh, increase the the capacity sorry um will rumble on and on and on and there, ha- there has to be a way found to do that but for me it's it's the training ground we've been eclipsed by so many teams that are so much smaller than us in terms of these facilities um think back to when we would have signed samare um when St Maximum was showing him around on FaceTime and just the facilities were just terrible. You could see the video when uh, Amanda and Murdad were, were walking around the place um, when they first took over and they weren't overly impressed, were they? Um, we got so f- left behind. Um, teams like Bournemouth, who could like 10, 12,000, if it wasn't for Eddie Howe, they'd still probably be in League Two. Um <laughs> Uh, their ground is that size, but their training complex is, is streaks ahead of ours. Um, yeah, a, a proper training complex needs to be built and uh, be dragged into the 21st century. When you think it wasn't that long ago, players were still in paddling pools and wheelie bins full of ice, and that's embarrassing. It's a sign of how committed and ambitious the owners are because they've not held about, you know, planning that application went in, the work's begun, the diggers yeah. are there. You know, they haven't just said it, you know, because there's been plenty of false dawns, at least two I can think of under Mike Ashley, where they had these grand plans for a big training facility and the plans did actually go in and nothing came of it. Whereas here, they've just gone for it because they understand that strong elements of attracting top players is having the facilities. And we all remember Lee Charney saying something along the lines of, you know, no players never signed because of the training facilities. Well, I, I'll, I'll disagree with that because I think, you know, it does play a part. You want to walk into the very best. And unfortunately, at the moment, you, you walk into the one at Benton and it, it's it's not the best. You know, as you say, Newcastle have been left behind. So new training ground, the redevelopment um, of what's happening at the moment is brilliant. But yes, I think a new training ground uh, with all the bells and whistles is probably the next priority. I agree. Not a fan of this the suggestion of moving to a new stadium. Um, you know, trying to improve and redevelop St James's Park is a, is is a big one. I mean, we've seen what they've done with the concourse. It's just a little bit of love shown to this stadium is 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 being welcomed so so much and, and long may that continue. Of course, plans to, to extend it. That's gonna be an expensive job, probably a long job as well to see what they can do. Very interesting one. Um, I've actually seen some people suggest, well, will that actually happen? Because if you extend the stadium for the first say, couple of seasons, yes, you probably will sell out that extended bit of the stadium. But then what happens if success doesn't continue? What happens, you know, say if the cost of living crisis gets worse? Like, you will then soon have empty seats potentially. You won't. Or has that, has that been in? No, you don't, you don't think so? You won't. Look at West Ham. 
West Ham can fill their stadium. We can we can more than fill sixty odd thousand in ours and get up to seventy thousand easy. The demand for tickets at the moment's crazy. Even like membership club, maybe you ever known like, like club memberships sell out. It, it's ridiculous. I know what you're saying. If the success doesn't come, but so long as the the ownership toes the uh, keeps towing the path that they're on, in terms of communication and open openness to the community, then. They're going to fill the stadium, whether we finish fifth, sixth, ninth, tenth, whatever. It doesn't matter. But um, for me as well, the academy ties in with the new training ground complex as well. Um, they wouldn't have to sell off the old training ground. You could use that for the academy. You could use that for the women's team. You can, you know, there's, there's plenty um, of knock-on effects that that can snowball into some really positive change. There's um, plenty of support for a new stadium, actually. Um, really. Graham Morton here, build a new stadium. Uh, we had another one in the comments as well. Uh, what did John say? John Hoy says, I'm in favour of a new stadium. Billy came back and said, for what it's worth, I'd say build a new stadium. So There's quite a few people prepared to move away from St. James's Park. I suppose that's the beauty of football. It's all about opinions. You wouldn't get the... You wouldn't get a city centre location, though, would you? Which is one of the reasons that makes St James's Park so special. You'd be travelling to the outskirts of somewhere, whether it's. Although I have seen plans of like where the arena is by the river, but I don't. I don't know. I'm really. It's something I feel strongly about. I don't like new stadiums. There are exceptions to the rule, of course, there are, but I don't know. It just takes ages to get the soul back. Hmm. So what should be the next party for the owners? And I think we both agree, new training ground, although all the answers that I, I read out there kind of link into one another, don't they? So um, the next question then, Sam, one player you wish the owners had bought in the summer? James Madison, Hugo Ekteke, Jesse Lingard, Musa Diaby or Lucas Pequeta? If anyone says Jesse Lingard, my word, have a look at yourself. Um, hmm, it's a tricky, it's a tricky one because the, as the, the season goes on, the more I look silly about my James Madison opinions, uh, which I fully we're there, accept. We're, we're there, we're there. Just for listeners who aren't aware of Sam's opinion on James Madison, would you like to just refresh their mind? I didn't want him. I didn't like. I didn't like the cut of his jib. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm not a, I wasn't, um, well, oh, I don't want to backtrack. I'm not a Madison fan because of his attitude. However, however, you can't ignore his performances, which have been, especially Monday night, was absolutely superb. And um, this argument of whether he gets into the England squad or not kind of reminds me of, like, remember when Shelby was getting a lot of good press about trying to force his way into the England squad? Um, I think it's it's a level above that. Um, so he would definitely do some good in the midfield, but I'm going to go for Diaby um, because for me, a winger was something we desperately, desperately needed. Um, an injury or two, as we've seen the past couple of weeks, we're down to the bare bones. Can we trust Jacob Murphy? Not really. Um, I think another winger in there. To, to add to the development of Elliot Anderson to really drive um, competition for places. I know you're the head of the Miguel Moron Supporters Club, but he doesn't do it often enough. 
but when he does it it's spectacular it's just not often enough so you need, i think how needs better options on the wings um Ekatike, we got isak which i'm delighted about because isak was my number one target if we ever got to take over full stop so for for us to sign him i'm absolutely buzzing and more fool Ekatike because he's barely getting a sniff at psg and when he has been getting a sniff he hasn't been playing too well. So um, that's fine. Paqueta, it is what it is. Um, I think that was just... Whilst he is a good player, he's taking his time to find his feet in England. It's still early days for him. And it was more about the bromance with Bruno, wasn't it, for, for Newcastle fans? And Lingard's just a pathetic excuse for a footballer. Uh, okay, I mean, that is... Quite a, a summing up of uh, Jesse Lingard. So my answer is Diaby. <laughs> I would say James Madison for me. I think as as we've all seen the way he started the season, absolutely on fire. He's also got a point to prove to Gareth Southgate. I'd be very surprised if he remains at Leicester. Um, we know Newcastle are, are looking to go back in for him, and he would be a quality addition to to this side to get give a bit of goals from. Just behind whoever is up top, he was. He's, I mean, he's going to cost what 50, 65, 70 million perhaps. He's not going to be cheap, but you know, if he scores the goals like he has been doing this season, then he'll be worth absolutely every penny. So for me, uh, it's got to be James Madison was the one player I wish the owners had bought, but we'll see what happens in January. If we get him, great. If he continues in this level of form, and you could see a really good midfield blossom in there and real competition for places, um, you've got some good options. There won't be any um, wiggle room to put in a bad performance. Uh, what can be achieved in the next 12 months then? A bottom half finish, a top half finish, Europa League, Champions League, title winning a cup. So people know my view. I'd be quite happy with 11th and 12th and a, and a decent cup run. I'm, I'm, That's not I'm, progress, I'm, Andrew. That's not progress. I'm, I'm, I'm keeping the expectations low and realistic because I think what we saw when Newcastle beat Fulham 4-1 and everyone's up a height, we, you know, if Newcastle loses against Brentford, the likelihood is that there'll be a, a strong portion of fans, you know, up a height for the, for, you know, calling it a, a bad result and what have you. And I think I'd, I'd just like to try and keep everything a bit balanced because... As we've said before on, on different episodes, uh, Sam, I think if you set the bar too high, and I, I, I don't mean internally, I think if Eddie House, I don't think Eddie Howe for a moment will be saying, I want 11th or 12th place finish. I think he will be aiming for the top eight, top nine. But that's internally, that stays behind kind of closed doors. You notice that he hasn't he hasn't set an expectation. But I do fear that if, as a fan base, we go, well, it's got to be top seven or it's got to be top six this season, and it doesn't happen, then what happens in the summer? Do people start questioning Eddie Howe or the ownership? You know, so I just like to keep it a little bit, in a, in a, as you say, maybe a little bit lower than than the most. I get that, but um, seventh to tenth, I think, is more than reasonable this season. I'd be happy with tenth, um, top half with a cup run. Um, there's no reason why we should lose a game at home this season with the atmosphere generated. I know we've had a couple of disappointing draws um, with the atmosphere being a, a bit flat for, was it Bournemouth? Sorry, when the, Bournemouth, when the Queen yeah. Yeah, It was a bit flat that day, wasn't it? Um, yeah, so there's, and the way we played against 
Man City, the way we played at Anfield, there's no reason why we can't go unbeaten. It's a fortress again. Um, if we could sneak into the Conference League, I'd be really happy with that. Um, I know some teams are, are maligned for playing Thursday nights, but I'd, I'd absolutely love it. Um, I really would. This season, though, top 10 and a cup run, I'm happy. Could we sneak seventh? Maybe. That, that is a possibility, especially if we do go and get a Madison in January. Uh, Jordy Toon for Life says Europa League is a good possibility. Um, and we've got another one here saying the higher we finish, this is from El State, the higher we finish before the World Cup, the better the players we attract. So he's talking about, about January there, but that is also the, you know, the short term that we've got to focus on as well. They'll want a good run going into, into that winter break and then into the window. But yeah, for me, I think having a decent cup run and really giving the Cups a good go is so important. And I think Eddie Howe is well on board with that. Um, and then, yeah, you know, let's just let's beat the drop comfortably. And then let's just see where Newcastle end up. And, you know, slow and steady seems to be the approach from the owners. So I'm, I'm more than happy with that. What? Go on, Sam. Go on. One thing is for sure now, though, we're going to be giving it a go every game because there's been two games so far this season where at the back of your mind, you're thinking, do you go five at the back? Will he, will he, will he change things being city at home and Liverpool away? But he hasn't, he's stuck with his system and he's given it a go. And we've come out with tremendous credit um, in both games. So one thing is for sure now under Eddie Howe, we will be giving it a go every game and turning up to try and win, not to just avoid a battering. Sorry. Sorry, so I was, I was, uh, I'm allergic to you making a good point. That's what it is. Sorry. <laughs> um, have they got a big enough squad to have a go at the cups? Uh, well, they've got 25 players, the same as everyone else. But have in got terms a good of strength, in, uh, no. Um, that's where we need more strength in depth. But that doesn't, that doesn't happen overnight. It can't. It's good. We need at least two more windows. Um, we we could still give it a go. Of course we can. There's some wrongs to be put right next month against Crystal Palace at home, isn't there? In the in the in the League Cup. There's no reason why with the right draw in there, you can still utilise a squad. I mean, I know Jacob Murphy's not good enough for week in, week out in the Premier League and Elliot Anderson's not there yet, but he, oh, no doubt he will be. He looks he looks like he's progressing all the time. He's such a talent. There's no reason why you can't rotate your squad and still still do well. Uh, the defence is in great shape. Um, there's players with points to prove, such as your Jamal Lewis's of this world. They need game time, and the cup's perfect for them. I still think, in, especially in Jamal Lewis's case, I still think he's a really good player, and I still think he's got something to offer Newcastle United. So, there's there's to have players with something to prove isn't a bad thing. 100%. It's just whether they can they can gel and click you know, when they're called upon. It's certainly going to be interesting to see the team he puts out against Crystal Palace. We've got Graham Morton here saying we're now a club that tries, um, which is kind of the, the feeling that everyone, I think, has got is that kind of underlying feeling of the club is that now they, they, they do try and they want to win every game and they believe in themselves, which is something you didn't really get under the previous ownership or previous manager so just remind us of your answer to that then what can be achieved in the next 12 months 
seventh to tenth, but I know that's not an option. It's either top half or um, Europa League, Conference League, isn't it? Um, I think there's a real, real possibility with the league taking shape that we could maybe nick a Conference League place. So maybe seventh-ish. But if that doesn't happen and we finish eighth, ninth, tenth, I'm more than comfortable with that. Best new signing of the new regime. Now, this list goes... What did you say there? Easy. Well, we're there. So let me just say, it does include Howe and Ashworth in this list. So we'll talk about them separately after we've talked about the players. Unless you're going to put one of them at the top of this list, are you? No. Right, okay. Let me read the list and then we'll go back to your easy point and let me guess because I want to say Isaac, but I don't think that's going to be the answer. Right, I so... I love Isaac. That's why I was going to say it. I know you've got posters on the bedroom wall and everything, but um, not the um, not the name I was uh, that I thought you were going to say. Right, so best new signing of the new regime. Trippier, Goresh, Pope, Botman, Isaac, Byrne, and as I say, Howe and Ashworth are included in this list, but we'll talk about them separately so out of that list then so it's not Isaac I don't think again it's it's one of them where there's no real wrong answer out of them they've all got great points to, to have about them so we're there let me just read the comments so Jordy Toon for Life says you're going to pick Bruno uh, to kind of phrase says Bruno Jay Smith says Trippier and Jordy Toon for Life says Trippier as well Personally, I think it's trippy. I've already uh, said that this morning on our, on our Facebook page. Is it is it Bruno for you? No, it's Loris Carrius. No, it is Bruno. Of course, it's Bruno. Uh, it, it has to be Bruno. He's one. I called this really early in his Newcastle career, and I took a gamble on it, but I stick with it every time. He is the best player I've seen in a Newcastle shirt, apart from Alan Shearer. He's the best midfielder I've seen play for us. And I know there's there's um, a lot of people out there um, in in the next generation up uh, from from yours and mine, Andrew, that will, will will quote some player names to me from the from the 60s, 70s, and and before then in the 50s when we were winning FA Cups for fun. But this guy has just changed everything. I will not argue with anyone that says Trippier because he started it all and he is is he'd raised the bar. And he made people look up and think he's joining Newcastle United with no relegation clause when they're 19th in the league and look dead and buried. And to have him, I still pinch myself that we've got someone like him. He's phenomenal. He's brilliant. But Bruno Gimares is the best midfielder I've ever seen play for Newcastle United, bar none. Absolutely incredible player. His, his bad games are still like a 6, 7 out of 10. That's him playing badly. And there's no doubt his ceiling for his ability is so high. He can get I got I got some negative feedback from play uh, from fans of other clubs because I said on um I said on Sky Sports News that Bruno would get into any team in the Premier League. That negative feedback from fans of Liverpool, of Man City, of of other top top teams just means they don't know what we've got yet. He's still like a hidden gem, and I saw as well uh, the podcast that Callum Wilson does with Mikel Antonio. They were making a Newcastle West Ham five side team, and Callum Wilson got outvoted for on Bruno for Declan Rice. 
they don't know. They still don't know what we've got. He's unbelievable. He's 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 an absolutely tremendous player, and he's got everything from his technical ability on the ball to his vision to what he sees from his footballing intelligence to his attitude that he's brought with him to Newcastle United he's the complete footballer he's the complete person and he if I just never want him to leave now he's just amazing it's no coincidence that you know you did have the likes of um, Real Madrid Man City Liverpool looking at him for maybe one to buy next summer um, before um, we signed him from Leon. He's unbelievable, unbelievable. And this is like one of these signings that is short-term, medium-term, long-term because he's took to the Premier League like a duck to water and he could still be in our team in eight, nine years' time. The guy's unreal. He's he's the, the best signing that we've made for years and years and years. The only one that come close are Kabai and Rob Lee. He, he, he's better than them. I mean, I love Kabai and Rob Lee to bits. They were they were unreal. But Bruno's better than them. And I will stand by that all day. Trippy has been great. Botman, fantastic. I love Sven Botman. I love Alex Isak. Sven Botman was unreal against Fulham. He could wear a smoking jacket when he plays. He's so laid back and casual about defending. Um, just effortless class. So there's quite a few um, comments coming off the back of your... Bruno Lovin. So to kind of phrase who originally had picked Bruno says a man after my own heart. So they're very impressed with your view on Bruno. Uh Jory Tune for Life says, Sam, I agree about Bruno. Other fans don't watch us enough to understand how good he is. We have one here from Roger, who had picked Kieran Trippier. He's now come back and said he's 50-50. But as on field quality goes, Sam has swung it. Bruno, he set the, the bar level. So you're now influencing people, Sam. That's a dangerous thought. Can I start about Alex Isak yet? <laughs> uh, we have... He will be immense. We'll get on to him in just a moment. Just a moment. Just just, just hold your horses. We've got Al Stapleton saying, for him, it's got to be Trippier. We have James Surti saying Trippier has to... Be the best signing without him. You don't get Bruno. Trippier started the project rolling, attracting better players. Uh, Bruno, though, he says in terms of quality. I go for Kieran Trippier because I, I agree with some of the comments there. For me, he was the catalyst for Newcastle United. He was the move that kind of awoke and other potential arrivals such as Bruno. You know, Kieran Trippier, La Liga winner, you know, England international is going to, to Newcastle United. Then you're suddenly waking up and going, oh, maybe maybe there is something there. He's kind of the move that put Newcastle on the map. His leadership and experience is just second to none. You know, it's been, when he was injured, the input he was still having was unbelievable. So for me, got to be Kieran Trippier. I think he he set the momentum going and it's led to the likes of Bruno and Isaac coming to Newcastle. But without Trippier, I don't think we would have seen, especially in that January, any of the quality that that, that, that came in if it wasn't for Trippier. I'm going to say taking the gamble. I know people will say he's paid all this money, it's not really taking a gamble, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But it but it was. It was a gamble in terms of his career, because if Newcastle had gone down, you know, it wouldn't have been the best move for him. Um so for me, it's got to be Trippier. I think he, like I say, set the ball rolling. Um 
I don't disagree with any of that. And he's not. it's not like he's on hundreds of thousands of pounds a week at Newcastle. I bet he's not on that much more, if at all more, than he was at um, in Madrid. Still a gamble, though. You know what I mean? It's, it was still a, it's still a yeah, gamble. Yeah, huge. Huge. Yeah, he did start it all, and the standards raised. Look at the performances of Emil Kraft towards the end of the season. That wouldn't have happened unless Trippi assigned. So, yeah, I, I love Trippi to bits. The leadership. Um, to, to ease the, the pressure of, of the captaincy off Jamal Lascelles and very few big voices in that dressing room. Um, he's come in and freshened the whole thing up and and leads by example. And um, he's a talker. And he, he's, he's, again, football intelligence. He's got it in abundance. And this whole Trippier-Trent Alexander-Arnold debate I mean, it's just not a debate in the northeast, is it? I suppose it's not in the northwest either, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, I mean, Trippier, Trippier is better than better than him as an, as an all round package. Yeah, of course he is. Um, so we were just looking at other comments. Uh, Roger says he was at, at the FA Cup game uh, when Trippier came on. Uh, no, uh, Trippier come on. Yeah, Trippier did come on. Then in an instant, wow. Uh, the kind of phrase says the influence of Bruno on Joe is massive too. So that's a, a big compliment there to, to Bruno. And we have John Askew saying, we haven't made a bad signing. Wood gives everything. And we stayed up last season, job done. And he still might have a big part to play in the Cups. So, yeah, I don't think anyone will disagree with that either. No, um, Dan Byrne as well. I think it's the one. And Matty Target, the ones we haven't mentioned. Um They've both been great, shrewd signings with uh, of players with the right attitude, and that goes a long, long way. Well, we're talking about right attitude. I mean, Dan Byrne has got that attitude, doesn't he? In an absolute abundance. I mean, what a what a fantastic character Dan Byrne is to have in that squad. Um, his attitude is 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 unbelievable. It's probably one of them that you probably, when we signed him, didn't realise just how good he was. Um, find it remarkable that he's not even had a sniff around the England squad given um, English centre-back form at the moment. Um, yeah, he's been brilliant. He's just great and versatile as well to, to fill in at left-back when need be. Um, just gets on with it. Intelligent on the ball because he when, you, when he moves to left-back you think, well, he could easily get done for pace here but he doesn't really. And uh, it just goes to show, like um, Derek says, their attitude. It's, it is what it's all about. It goes a long, long way. 100%. So, go on then. Give me a quick couple of sentences on Isaac. I think he's probably in this this uh, this list a little bit too early for my liking. I yeah, but he's, he's, he's going to be incredible. He's, he's going to be unbelievable. Um I don't want him shafted out on the wing. Um, I don't want to... I know I've said it to you outside of recording, so I'm not going to say it on air, or am I? I am going to say it. You don't put Henri on the left. That's the kind of player he is. I'm not saying he's as good as Thierry Henri. I'm not saying he is Thierry Henri. That's the sort of player he is. So he will drift in from the left, but you don't want him stuck out on the left. Um, to learn the nuances of the English game and the physical aspect of it from a Callum Wilson is perfect. Um, we saw his raw ability at Anfield when he scored them two goals. 
one only counted, but you know, it was one of them nights um, where you needed to triple captain the referee in your fantasy team. But um, he's going to be incredible. He's got all the attributes to succeed, and he's going to be he's going to be a Newcastle legend. Mark my words. But in the short to medium term, what do you do? Do you play? Do you change the system and play two up top? Do you drop Callum Wilson if he's even though he's he's going to be fit hopefully and play Isaac? How does it work? Yeah, the the key word in that is hopefully, isn't it? Um, You've got competition for places now and you've got a genuine plan B where you don't need to just chuck Chris Wood up top for the last 10 minutes and maybe stick to the same system. You could stick Isak up front with Callum Wilson and then you've got one of the deadliest strike partnerships in the Premier League and we haven't had that since, what, Bar and C say, I suppose. Um yeah, it gives Eddie Howe options, and that's down to him. It's 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 decisions for Eddie Howe, and that's that's what you want as a manager because they're nice decision making to have. Not who do I play today? Do I give Jacob Murphy a go, or do I chance a sixty percent for Elliot Anderson? That's that's not a good decision to make. Um, yeah, I would. You would need a bit of patience with Isak because he's got to build his strength. He's got to learn the English game, of course, but I've got every faith and confidence in him. He will be a 20-goal-a-season striker, given time. John Askew says, without his guidance, Isaac can become a tune great. Just briefly then, on how and Astro, if they are included in this list of the best new signing of the new regime, I think we pretty much covered at the start of the episode just how vital they've been. Um, but yeah, I mean, suppose what I'll do, Sam, I'll ask you for a mark out of 10 for Eddie Howe's performance over the last 12 months or so, um, and a little sentence to why, and then the same with Ashworth. So, starting with Howe out of 10 since he's taken over, how are you rating him? Why nine out of 10? He's changed the, the culture at the club, he saved us from an almost impossible situation. Okay, he had time and, and, a, and a transfer window to do it, but that. That that's just that doesn't count for everything. There was still a lot of work that needed to be done. The the commitment he's shown to the cause, the the way he's um, taking himself to the area, and the fan base, he gets it, which is also a big thing when it comes to to the uniqueness of Newcastle, the city, the fans. Um, he does get it, and he's just been brilliant the way he conducts himself. And there's it's. It's interesting to hear him speak about football, which um, we had with Rafa. Um, we didn't have it between then. Um, but yeah, he's he's been brilliant. And OK, there's been a couple of disappointing results here and there, but there's been some results in there that we would never have expected to get. And just before I get you to do the same on Dan Ashworth, I'm just going to point people who are watching live to the comment I've just posted in the comments on YouTube and on Facebook, fill in the survey. Just click on that link now. Go on, just do it now. Click on the link. Take five minutes of your time. Sam's done it. He loved doing it. Click on it. Fill in the answers. Click submit, and it helps get a nice rounded picture of your thoughts of the last 12 months. For those listening on the podcast, just scroll down to the podcast description, and the link is in there. It will close on Thursday afternoon, so you'll have to be a little bit quick, but please do, because... um. 
we just wanted to know how you guys are feeling about the last 12 months. So then, Dan Ashworth, out of 10, and why? I know he's only been here briefly, but... I think with, with, with Dan Ashworth as well, time will tell in a sense of the the kind of young players that he's he's signing. Um, but I would go nine again because there's no resting on your laurels. They're actively improving every aspect of the club, like your, your young players. Um, they're already, I don't doubt for one second, there's already work going into January signings. Um, it's it's a football club being run properly by professionals and Dan Ashworth epitomises that. You've only got to see um, the likes of your Ben Foster's in this world. I have nothing but praise for him and he could have been uh, sat on the bench for Newcastle on Saturday. Um, the work he's done with England, Brighton, who were challenging for top four. I know it's early days, but who would have thought that was ever going to happen? Um, yeah, it's it's an important, real important signing we made this summer and it shouldn't be taken lightly at all, um, despite me swooning over the, the playing uh, staff that we've signed. Um, the proof in the pudding is, is very much in the medium to long term with Dan Ashworth, but it's it's great that we've got actual football people running our football club. 100%. On to the final two questions now then, and it's kind of two rolled into one. So, Sam, how has your perception changed, or has your perception changed, rather, on the Saudi ownership? <sighs> Not at all, somewhat, or completely. I, I don't think my perception has changed. Um in that my eyes were pretty wide open when it happened anyway. Um, so I would say not at all, to be honest. Um, and it is an area where like people don't really like to talk about it, but it has to be, I suppose. Um, it is important. The things happening in the wider world are very important. Um, but but my perception in it hasn't changed at all. Um, I'm still very open to the fact that um, people and regimes and cultures can change for the better with Western influence and whatnot. Um, it takes time, but what they've done in and around the city of Newcastle and what they're planning to do and, and what's to come is overwhelmingly positive, which first and foremost is what kind of interests us as, as Newcastle United fans. Um, final question then. I think Sam might have frozen there. Is he back? No, I'm here. Are you back? I thought you froze. One of us went. Your sound's gone. No, I can hear. Oh, oh goodness me, we both froze. Right. Final question then. <laughs> I can hear you. You are about five seconds behind, so this is going to be a very weird end to the show, but we'll we'll press on. Um, how concerned are you one year on about being owned uh, by the Saudi Public Investment Fund? Very concerned, quite concerned, indifferent, not concerned at all. Uh, again, it's a tricky one. Um, 
it's not for me, and and it's not for Newcastle fans to to, to again be moral arbiters of of the Saudi regime. PIF are investing a lot in a lot of different areas. Look at golf. I mean, it, it see the, the the money they've they've ploughed into golf makes Newcastle United seem very small fry indeed. Um, because I suppose there's no financial fair play constraints in golf. Um, I, I suppose I am sort of indifferent because there is a level of uncomfortableness there when you really get into the crooks of, of the Saudi regime and whatnot, which I don't want to dismiss. But at the end of the day, when it's about Newcastle United, all my concerns are all all about uh, what happens on and off the pitch at Newcastle United and Newcastle United alone. So I don't want to dismiss what happens in the wider world because that would be very naive and negligible of me. But at the end of the day, this is about football and football alone. So I wouldn't say I'm, I would say I'm indifferent. I suppose I'm, I'm sitting on the fence a little bit. But at the end of the day, I just want my team to be run properly and something to support. Jordy Tune for Life says he's not concerned about it because it's about football in our, in our city and we are not politicians. Now, on Friday morning, there'll be a special podcast looking back on the last 12 months of the new ownership. It'll put a fan panel together and it'll be myself and Aaron Stokes. And I ask the fan panel a similar question about their feeling about Saudi involvement as well as the best thing the owners have done. Uh, and a few other questions. We've got a real nice mix of people, people from Tyneside, people from Norway, people from the United States. So we've got a global Newcastle United panel. So look out for that on Friday night. Some really interesting views. Um, that's the end of the survey, Sam. But I just want to ask you uh, if you had a message for the owners about what they've done thus far and what you think they can do in the next 12 months. Wow, uh, so just more of the same, isn't it? I mean, I, I, it's weird. I just have, given their track record over the last 12 months, I've complete faith and trust in them, which isn't easily earned because of, of what we have been through as Newcastle fans, but they, they, they get it. The fact that they've, like Amanda and, and Maidad, have persisted so much when they could have easily walked away, given the three years they were trying to buy Newcastle. Um, it just shows they get it, they get the area, they're in it for the right reasons. Um, we know there's a business side and aspect to it as well, which is obvious with modern day football now. But um, keep investing in the area and uh, don't move away from St. James's Park because I don't like new stadiums. <laughs> there we have it. Well, Sam, thank you for popping on to everything is Black and White podcast. Just pitch your very own podcast. Where can people find you? The Greenwood and Mulliner Show on Newcastle Fans TV, available on all good podcast apps. New podcast released every Tuesday with interviews of your favourite Newcastle United loving folk. This week's was uh, with Lindsay Hipgrave. Next week with your friend of mine, Andrew, Nick DeMarco, KC. Mm, you've definitely practised that in the mirror, haven't you? No, just Johnny asks me like every Tuesday at the end of every uh, at the end of every show like when is it available? So I've got a I've got a monologue sorted now. That's Johnny. That's Sam's partner in crime on the podcast. Really good podcast. So make sure you do follow that. Plenty of uh, superb guests that you can listen to and get the insight into Newcastle past and present. Sam, once again, thank you very much for tuning in. 
to you guys watching live thank you as always and hit that subscribe button if you are on youtube and if you're listening later on the podcast please remember to like and follow and leave us a rating and review as well if you get the chance and just finally make sure you click that link to the survey because we really do want your views thousands of you took part in the last one sam was a guest and went through the answers to the last one uh, a few months back um this one's really important as well though because um it's 12 months since the takeover and it seems like yesterday but um we need your views so click that link fill it in it'll take five minutes of your time we very appreciate it if you do thank you once again for tuning in